Autism Hour podcast where we view each and every individual as valuable and capable. Today, my guest is Molly Penny. In 2003, Molly moved to Ghana to serve as a therapist for a young man with autism. She had been his therapist in Seattle, Washington, and was asked to travel with his family on the return home to Ghana until they could find a local therapist for him. Faced with the reality that there were no local teachers prepared to support him, she envisioned and created an organization that could empower leaders, educate communities, and train local professionals. With a model rooted in sustainable, culturally relevant training, the Global Autism Project now works in 10 different countries across four continents. How amazing is that? Originally from New Hampshire, Molly has traveled and worked internationally for over 14 years. Her vision of building local capacity and promoting acceptance and understanding for people with autism has grown into a global movement for change. She has spoken across various esteemed platforms from the floor of the United Nations to a TEDx stage, advocating for a more collaborative, culturally relevant, sustainable approach to international aid programs. Please enjoy this episode and I hope that you can benefit and learn from it. Thanks so much for listening. Hi, Molly, and welcome to the Autism Hour podcast. How are you today? I'm well. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I'm so glad to have you on today. So if you could start by just telling us a little bit about yourself. Sure, absolutely. My name is Molly Olapini, and I'm the founder and CEO of the Global Autism Project. We are an international organization that partners with communities worldwide to promote the acceptance of people with autism. That is amazing. Okay, so talk to us about how you got into that. How did you start um, the Global Autism Project and what did that journey look like? Yeah, what a story. Um, (laughs) So the short answer is very much by accident. The longer answer is that I was living and working as an ABA therapist, applied behavior analysis, Mm -hmm. back in the day in Seattle, Washington. And the family that I was working with was moving to Ghana at the end of the year. So part of the reason I was willing to take on this gig as this thing called an ABA therapist is because I knew they were moving to Ghana at the end of the year. And when they moved to Ghana, this would be a natural stopping point. So I did not plan, nor do I think they had planned that when they decided, when the time came for them to move to Ghana, they asked me to move with them. So, um, you know, my first question was, do you need a passport just to kind of give you an idea? I was originally from New Hampshire. I'd moved to Seattle. That was, that was enough moving in my mind. Um, they said, you sure do. I got myself a passport and my first flight out of the country was to move to Ghana. Wow. Um, That is crazy. (laughs) How were you feeling during that time? Were you super unsure, nervous? You know, excited. (laughs) Yeah. I, I didn't really feel nervous. It felt like they were a really sweet, kind family. And okay. um, yeah, that's a good question. You know, I think I was I was feeling like it was gonna it was gonna be a cool adventure and why not? And it was gonna be super short term and you know, it was gonna I was gonna work in the field, I was gonna probably learn some things about autism. I remember I um met who's now one of my closest friends and she was like I feel like what you're gonna do is go over there and do something really huge and I thought this girl is like totally out of my mind but maybe (laughs) um and when I got there people started literally showing up to the house where I was living the school where I was working looking for the woman who knew what autism was and I was like no no you need the local person like why are you looking for me you know and so um through these folks I met a woman who had started an autism center in Ghana 
that. And I thought, oh, good, because I need more training. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I got there, I realized that I had had more training, um, but less experience than anyone in the center. And I think in that moment, that was kind of like teaching. I'm totally going into the next thing. That's the story. Um, But but that's the story. So people started coming to my house. I met... um, you know, the woman who started the autism center, Uh I went on my dial up internet connection to try to find some people who could come and provide training um, because I was desperately needed in Ghana. Um, and when I didn't find it, I thought, well, I'll just start it. You know, I was 23 years old at the time and I thought, Mm -hmm. how hard can it be? Um, so now 15 years later, I can accurately answer how hard it has been, um, but also how worth it it's been. So yeah, we start in Ghana and go all over the world. And we, we have. <laughs> That's so amazing. And it's just so cool to hear that you were just, you saw a need and you just jumped on board and met that need. Like a lot of people I think would shy away from that and it's neat that you didn't. So I think I was too young to know any better. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Okay. So I was talk- like, how hard could this be? Yeah. <laughs> Which is a great attitude to have. Okay. Yeah, can you talk out. a little bit about what autism looks like in Ghana? Well, um, autism looks like autism in Ghana. Autism uh-huh. looks like autism in India. Um, I think, you know, where the, ch- where the difference, the primary difference comes in is, is the way that the culture understands autism. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it's important to note here that this side of 50 years ago, people in the U.S. said things like autism is caused by mothers going off and getting master's degree, yeah. graduate degree, you yeah. know, and that kind of thing. And so... The locally accepted belief in Ghana specifically and other places that we've worked in, um, several at this point, is that autism is is caused by bad spirits, is that autism could be demonic possession, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and and because that's the belief, there tends to be a very, very, very strong stigma. Now, the important thing to know is that it's a stereotype, it's a belief, you know, it's not everybody, right? Yeah. So there are people in all of these communities, there were people I met in Ghana, there were people in Kenya, there are local people who want to change that, who mm-hmm. want to totally, um, you know, erase that stigma and get these kids out in the community. And, you know, um, in a lot of places around the world, people with autism are are tied to trees they are tied you know i've i've seen kids tied to trees i've seen kids tied to bedposts um you know and unfortunately in a lot of places in the world where they they don't understand autism um kids with autism can be murdered it seems Mm -hmm. like the most compassionate thing to do in a lot of places yeah um there's an article that came out not too long ago i think it was from tanzania and it said my neighbors asked you know wanted me to murder my child Mm -hmm. and we can look at that and be super judgmental Mm -hmm. um easily but i think the important thing to do is to understand what is that about what is that deep belief Mm -hmm. um And knowing, too, that, you know, my role is not to change your beliefs. My role is to support those in the community who want to challenge that, Mm -hmm. to help amplify their voices. Um, You know, a big, big, big piece of our model is that people have to reach out to us for support. That's a really really important piece um because we want to know that we're that we're going where we're where we're wanted and Mm -hmm. where the services will be sustainable you know so okay so what does that look like when somebody reach out reaches out to you for support what are kind of the next steps from there 
Yeah, so they reach out to us. Um, we then bring them through a by design sort of long application process. Okay. Um, that application process includes 10 statements of support from the community. Okay. So find 10 people who are in the community who say, we want Global Autism Project. Here's mm-hmm. what we're doing now. Here's what we want to do. Um, and we really make sure that their vision is that their vision is big enough to fit into you know our family of people who work all who work day in and day out for this around the world. Um, we don't have we Global Autism Project does not run the centers around the world. The centers and the schools are already there. We consult to them. We build their capacity. Okay. This is not meant to be a forever. Um, you know, assignment for us. We try to work mm-hmm. ourselves out of a job just as we would a therapist working with a child. Yeah. You know, we want to, to build them to independence and, and get out actually. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, that's really, you know, that's really the vision. And that's, that's something that we're working towards in a big way, especially this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but after they, after they apply, we go on a discovery visit where a member of our senior staff will go a couple members generally check out the site, meet the people, you know, make sure that, um, make sure that what we talked about on the phone is what's what's happening. Um, make sure that the visions align, that there's good chemistry, because at the end of the day, we're building relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, we'll have alumni, people who have traveled on. We have a, a travel program called Skill Corps, where we bring skilled professionals abroad to help provide training. Yeah. Um, and so we'll have alums travel, people who've traveled with us already, who know the Global Autism Project, mm-hmm. who understand the uniqueness of our model. You know, when you do this for 15 years, there's a lot of lessons learned. And yeah. 15 years later, there there's a lot of nuances, and, and there's absolutely a uniqueness um, to this model. So we bring in an alumni team and then after that we bring in our our skill core teams um skill core teams visit each site three times a year for two weeks at a time Mm -hmm. and then in between those visits um we talk to our partners every single week at least um we're providing that ongoing training and support so so it's not it doesn't ever become this revolving door of random people coming in it's like you have a dedicated team who understands what the dedicated team the month before did and the yeah, month before, you yeah. know, and, and every every site has has a treatment plan and a, and a curriculum and a guide that they're following to okay. get to this level of, of independence and success. That's amazing. And are people pretty receptive when you guys come in? I know they reach out for you for support, so they're, they're initiating that. But when you come and do the trainings and consult with these, I'm guessing, schools and organizations, are they pretty receptive and open to what you have to say? Absolutely. I mean, you know, part of our model is we look at what is essential, what is preferable, what is preferable to me in all Mm -hmm. of our interventions, right? So we look at there may be things that that we would come in and say, oh, this is preferable to me, do it this way. We don't work in that space. We work in the essential space. So what are the essential things that we need to teach? And by the way, we don't even know the best things to teach, right? So we take it a step further. We create... um, a Venn diagram that says their priorities, our priorities, 
And then there's a third circle that says sustainability, and that's really the most important piece in all of this, you know, um, because we don't know what's best, you know, so we're not coming in with a preconceived PowerPoint, here's what you're going to do. We take a very Socratic approach to teaching. Um, you know, our work is predicated on the idea that the best people in Nigeria to work with kids with autism are Nigerian teachers, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, and it's just based on these basic ideas, right? So our role, you know, we see our partners very much as our peers, if not our, in, in most cases, our superiors, honestly, yeah. right? They know the community, they know the culture. Yep. And that was one of the things when I was living in Ghana, I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm no expert in mm-hmm. this. I don't even know how to eat the food here locally. Like, yeah. well, I don't look to me to teach, you know, I can, I can teach the techniques, I can teach the science, I can teach the how to teach, you know, but, but the what to teach is, is all you. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think people say, oh, that's so great. You're teaching a man to fish rather than giving a man to fish. You know, that old Chinese proverb, yeah. right? Teach a man to fish, mm-hmm. eats for a day. Uh, sorry, give a man a fish, he eats for a day. Teach a man a fish, to fish, he eats for a lifetime. I say, forget that. Ask them if they're hungry. Don't go around teaching them to fish if they're not hungry. That is not your role. You yeah. know? So start with a basic question that identifies whether or not what you need is even, you know, what you have is even useful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's there's a tendency in the international development space to think like, oh, we know what's best and we're going to go help these people. Yep. Um, and that's just not the attitude here at all. Um, our partners know what's best. We know that they know what's best. We know that when you when you empower, when you support, um, you know, when you provide education to people who have unmatched passion and dedication, mm-hmm. it's it's unstoppable. You yeah. know, and I have to tell you, I've worked you know fifteen years. I've been probably to as many countries in as many years, and probably closer to twenty at this point. And um, it's you know what the staff at an autism center has in a place where the locally accepted belief is that the kids are possessed, that level of passion, that level of dedication, that level of investment, Mm -hmm. we can't buy that. You can't run a center in the U S that has, you can't, you Mm -hmm. can't train that. You can't buy that. And so we get to go around the world and work with these people who they have that that's innate, you know, and What a gift, right? So anyway, you're getting me all fired up. Yeah, I love that. I love everything you're saying. I am so bought in. So I, yeah, you could keep talking for hours and I would be listening intently. So thank you. Yes, thank you. Okay, so specifically in Ghana, tell me about some daily challenges you face in your role. Um, So that's where the organization started. So we haven't worked there for a number of years now. Oh, okay. Um, but um, I, can, you know, I can speak to the daily challenges that we had there, and the daily challenges that we have still today that yeah. are that are similar um, but different. You know, I think when you when you're 23 years old and you start an organization with all the stars in your eyes, yeah, how hard could it be? I'll just change the world. Um, there are there are so many things that you just cannot anticipate. Mm-hmm. Do not know what's you know. You just don't know. You don't know anything. Which thank God I didn't. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always like, oh my God. Um, But, you know, our challenges there were really, um, they were really around sustainability. Our challenges there were really around um, even just basic 
cooperation, collaboration. You know, yeah. we the biggest mistake that we made there was we created a revolving door of international volunteers and then kind of recoiled in a huge way. We were like, oh, my gosh, this is terrible. No more international volunteer program ever. It's terrible. It's the worst thing. And then we said, what if there was a way to do this sustainably? Mm-hmm. What if we created something that flipped the paradigm of volunteerism on its head, right? That mm-hmm. we went where we were wanted, that we supported people, that there was follow-up between the trips. What if we did that? Um, and the story of how Skill Corps was born, which was, a, um, you know, I'm trying to think, probably 10 years into the Global Autism Project is, is, is a fun one that we might get to. But, um, you know, the challenges that we were having in Ghana did lead me to believe that this was an idealistic thing that may not ever take off. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, I'm not exactly sure who your audience is, but statistically, you probably have some dreamers and some visionaries mm-hmm. yeah. and some entrepreneurs out there. Yeah. Um, and I will say that, you know, today I'm really fortunate to have an incredible team, run a wildly successful organization. Um, and I you know, I'd be lying if I didn't say there were times where this was so challenging and so hard and I questioned whether or not this was even a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and look, our challenges, one of the first things that when you walk into our office and you're traveling with us, one of the first things I do is explain, you know, look, I fell flat on my face trying this for eight years. I fell flat on my face. And, you know, at some point, we learned to tuck and roll. Mm -hmm. And I learned that it wasn't about how many times we fell down. It was about how many times we got up. And I know there's nothing more cliche than that. But But it's so true. (laughs) (laughs) There's a reason it's a cliche, right? Mm -hmm. When I say that, I to this day can feel the pit in my stomach and the physical pain of the fall down, Mm -hmm. you know, and... And the get up, you know, and I think that like the more people who are next to you each time you get up, it gets easier, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and suddenly you're kind of like you're part of this, you're part of this movement. And it's like when you get down, like you can't stay down because you've got all these people moving with you all of a sudden um, all over the world. You know, we have this global community. So um, our big challenges today are more about how do we grow this movement? Um, how do we, you know, our, our focus as an organization for 2019 is, is to stop playing small, to get the word out about what we do, to become a household name, to become synonymous with quality autism services worldwide. Um, because the reality is, is that there are, and I, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but there are parents lying awake at 3 a.m. all over the world contemplating ending the lives of their children mm-hmm. because of autism and because they don't know what's going on and because that feels like the right thing and that breaks my heart and that that keeps me up at 3 a.m you know yeah. and we've um you know over in the past however many years have been around 15 we very much had to focus on the very positive and it occurred to me just recently like we are we, we have a responsibility to, to be bigger, to be stronger, to, to be, to have, you know, bigger capacity. There's a lot of countries outside the U S mm-hmm. um, and there are programs inside the U S that need support, need education, you know, and that's why I really applaud what you're doing with your podcast because it's like people just need, they just need information, you know, yeah. they need, they need to know. So, Absolutely. um, yeah, it's, you know, I think our challenges are just scaling how, how do we scale? How do we share this work? How do we grow this movement? Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. And yeah. I, I guess my follow-up question would just be, if there are other people, um, we'll talk about the United States since that's where I am, um, but if there are people here in the U.S. who want to get more involved in sharing the word about autism in other countries, um, what do you think a good first step to doing that would be? You know, I think awareness is always a good first step. Mm -hmm. Um, I also feel strongly that it's not quite enough, you know? Um, so, you know, I would say that to those who are listening, who are professionals or who have professional or personal experience with autism, Mm -hmm. um, check out our website, consider traveling with us, you know, learn, meet our partners firsthand. They're, they're incredible, um, incredible people, incredible people. Um, and I think that, you know, that's, that's a that's a good first step. A lot of people who travel with us end up staying involved for many years. Okay, it's kind of one of the one of the things I think is kind of cool about this. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, and then you know, for for those who don't quite fit that, you know, visit our website globalautismproject.org. Join our monthly giving program. Sign up for updates on all the work happening around the world. You know, just share the work that we're doing with with people who who may feel connected to it in some way. Um, you know, we have, we are so fortunate to have over 300 people have traveled with us on our skill core program. Wow. Um, but what about when that number is 30,000, mm-hmm. you know, what, what does that mean? What does that look like? And so I think, you know, just, just supporting our, our work in that way, you know, there's, there's such a need for these services. Um, I would say a couple times a month at least, and that's probably a low estimate. Mm-hmm. We get another request for services around wow. the world. Um, and, you know, another another mom lying awake starting a center, another professional who may have done some stuff, you know, in the U.S., learned about autism, has gone home, is trying to get something off the ground, mm-hmm. is heartbroken knowing what's out there. You know, I think yeah. that to me is the is a wildest thing. You know, people always say, oh, well, you know, in the U.S., things weren't that good 50 years ago either. And I totally agree. Um, but they weren't that good anywhere. Whereas yeah. now we have, yes, a lot of room for improvement in the U.S. Do not get me wrong. Yeah. I obviously know that. But um, we also have incredible programs. Yes. Here. We have adult employment programs. We have we have community awareness. We have, you know, there's, there's so many things. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I think that's just, yeah, just starting a conversation, explaining to people, you know, autism is not a U.S. phenomenon, mm-hmm. you know, or, our motto is autism knows no borders yes because yeah (laughs) yeah and that's something I think so few people actually realize or maybe just don't give a lot of thought to is that this is not just a western civilization um, disability like this is something that happens worldwide and um, one of my questions for you is actually are there differences in what you see as far as autism characteristics in Ghana or other countries as compared to America? Um, not, no, <laughs> I think no, you know, okay. again, yeah. like the, the cultural understanding, the treatment of people with autism, absolutely mm-hmm. 100% yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, in terms of, you know, self-stimulatory behavior, in terms of, you know, echolalia, it, it's all there, you mm-hmm. know. Yep. Um, it may be, um, you know, it's, it's interesting because I remember I went to a school in India and all of the students at once um, – stood up and said, you know, namaste, it's mm-hmm. very sweet, they do that every morning there, and, um, 
And I just remember being like, how did you teach that? (laughs) Yeah. Because you have kids and all varying abilities and Mm -hmm. different, you know, different challenges. And they're, they're all doing, they're all doing that. So there are some things like that, that, you know, standing up and saying namaste is a non-negotiable. You have to do that Mm -hmm. in the the school in India in the morning. And so um, there's, there's little things like that. I think that, um, you know, sometimes people find that they observe um, some of the centers before we really end up running program, you know, getting our partners running programs and working mm-hmm. with the kids. Sometimes they'll say, oh, you know, there's there's no really, um, you know, there's no real challenging behaviors. And it's like, well, there's never been a demand put on that kid ever. You yeah. Know? yeah. So <laughs> no one's ever yeah. asked that kid to do something they don't feel like doing in yep. that moment. So. Um, but no, once you, once you do, I mean, yeah, you, you, you see get a lot of some, the same some challenging behaviors too. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. but I think overall, you know, um, I talked about this, I did a, I did a TED talk a little while ago and I talked about this and, um, said, you know, it's just autism is autism. Mm-hmm. Humans are humans. You know, I think there's no uh, kind of more humbling experience and, and unifying human experience than, hearing moms talk about and parents talk about their kids with autism Mm -hmm. and talk about how they go to sleep thinking you know don't don't ever die because then what you know and um and that crosses all borders for sure those feelings and those fears and conversation Mm -hmm. some of the most powerful moments i've observed in my life were moms of kids with autism across cultures talking to each other oh my gosh um, i can't even imagine yeah yeah we have some parents travel with us um, on skill core trips and it's always it's always very very impactful we also oh, have autistic sure. adults travel on skill core trips oh, and share wow. their experiences so. okay you keep bringing this up so will you talk more about that yeah. program and kind of how that got started I do I do keep bringing it up sort of <laughs> I want to know more <laughs> how did that get started okay so um, basically like I said we were looking at these international volunteer programs um, I one of my colleagues at the time had done one she just written this expose blog that was like I was a volunteerist I didn't know any better you know yeah. And volunteerism programs you know tend to be things like they'll take unskilled she was an undergrad who had taken a class in special ed and they were like oh great you can run the autism classroom you know (laughs) um she had a she had a roommate who was thinking who was pre-med in college and they were like oh great you can you know perform um invasive medical procedures you know "Ah, what's happening Um, so so that that was the example right that Mm -hmm. was kind of what volunteerism looked like um and it basically you know, and people would pay these large sums of money that it was really kind of unclear how that benefited the community in any way. Anyway, so we, we turned that whole thing on its head. Um, you know, we really looked at those programs. We looked at, we read testimonial after testimonial. We talked with anyone we knew who had done it. Um, and then one night, I remember it was Tuesday night, um, and it was right before this big annual conference in this field called the ABAI conference. Yeah. The conference was in Seattle. Yep. So it was Tuesday before ABAI. And our partner from Kenya was here. She was in my apartment at the time. And I said, what if we created this thing and called it Skill Corps? And what we would do is we'd have people travel, but they'd have to be skilled people. They'd have to know what they were doing. And then we would keep the ongoing support because we already had that. That was baked into the model from the very start. Okay. Um, and they would build on, you know, we sort of just like 
thought about it. And our partner from Kenya was here and my colleague and we're thinking, thinking, thinking. And we're like, it's awesome. Let's try it. And we're like, we're, but you know, ABAI was where we did all of our marketing at that point. That was the only time we ever even tried to market scope. And that was for years. We've only started marketing, um, you know, outbound kind of marketing the last year. And that's yeah. just because the, we now need a hundred people three times a year to travel with us. So mm-hmm. we, have to, we have to sell people. Um, but so I remember we we thought, oh, it'd be really cool. We should have a we should have a flyer or a banner or something. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we should. You know, and so I'm looking online. It's late at night, Tuesday night. We end up getting it designed by someone in India because oh it's goodness. daytime in India, right? So yeah. we a designer online in India. And we end up getting them overnight shipped from the printer. This is all happening like at midnight. Oh from gosh. the printer to the hotel in Seattle. You're kidding. That's how it really happened. That is crazy. And I got a banner. I remember we had the file sent to Kinko's in Seattle, and we got this banner that Skill Corps. Um, you know, and I'd been at ABAI. I, you know, that was like my one big investment every year when I started the organization was to tell people that was the easiest way. They're all in one place. Yeah. And so I'm standing there in my flyers, and I'm like, are you familiar with Skill Corps? Have you heard of Skill Corps? And people are like, oh, yeah, I have. I was like, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> You're like, no, you haven't. <laughs> we thought of this, you know, a couple nights ago. There's no there's no way, yeah. you know. So um, it was funny. But they'd heard of the Global Autism Project, you know. And, okay. um, and the Global Autism Project, because we've been showing up at this conference for 15 years, it's, it's really become kind of its own its own monster at this point. Yeah. Um, but it was it was so funny. And so, yeah, I left that conference, and I had applications for this program called Skill Corps, and people were willing to fundraise, and I was like, wow. I think we're on to something. Yeah. Um, so that was probably six maybe seven years ago now, I think six years ago now. Um, and, you know, we started We started out slowly. We went one country at a time. The first year I led every single trip. The second year another colleague led every single trip, wow. you know, in and out of the field 13 times in 12 months or something crazy. Goodness. Um, one trip at a time, yeah. And then um, now the way that we run it is all of the teams come in at once. We do a big, you know, we'll have a hundred person orientation this July. We'll have, I think 120 people coming. Um, and so we do a big orientation and everybody goes out to the different countries. It's really cool. So, so it becomes, you know, an amazing networking opportunity for Mm -hmm. one. Um, it also, you know, most people in the field of ABA like to kind of geek out on ABA. Like they get to do it for two weeks in another country with people they've never met. Yeah. So Um, much fun. Yeah. Everything that we do has unintended consequences for better or worse. Um, in this case it's been for better, which is thank goodness. Mm -hmm. Um, and the unintended consequences have been just the amazing personal professional growth, the incredible friendships. I mean, some of people's best friends are people they met, they met through skill corps. Um, and it's really, you know, about half of our people, uh, well, I say half very conservatively because we never counted it, which we should, um, but stay involved, travel again. We have people who've done six, seven, or eight trips for us. We have someone who's done 14 trips with us, you oh, know, wow. I mean, it's so cool. outside of our staff team. So, yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. So, are you primarily housed out of the United States now, or do you live in another country? What does that look like for yeah, you Yeah, we're in Brooklyn, New York. Oh, okay, we're, great. Um, yeah, and I've been here... I was in Ghana for two years, um, 
came here 13 years ago now. So, okay. yeah. Okay, so you've been here yeah, back in the U.S. for a while. And whatever yeah. happened with the little boy that you started working with? Is he in oh. his family? Are they still in Ghana or did they move back so as well? they're still in Ghana. Okay. Yeah, they had a big project they were doing there. And dad's from Ghana. They're incredible oh, humans. Okay. Um, he came to visit me in New York last summer. Oh, my and goodness. It was amazing. That, it was the that, most special. You know, just to see him. It, he and his mom were here. And, you know, our office, of course, we have pictures of, you know, the kids around the world. Yeah. And he was just kind of looking at the kids. And and I was just like, oh, wow. Like, because of you, kid. You know? Yeah, you have no idea. Because, <laughs> yeah, just because of you. You know, and I was telling him about it. And he's so, he's so sweet. He's doing really well. Oh, um, you know, autism services have improved the capacity that the community has just improved dramatically, obviously, since, you know, yeah. since I had arrived and people were hunting me down. Um, <laughs> and they've done incredible things there. They really have, you know, and he, um, yeah, he's just, you know, he's not, a, he's not a kid at all, but, you know, like, I remember when you were. Yeah, <laughs> totally, that's amazing. Yeah, he's totally a grown man. Aww. He's so awesome. Yeah, um, that's So, great. yeah, I mean, there's just, I could not have, I could not have, um, you know, sort of been matched with a better kid. You know, he was, he was such a, this kid was just, he's such a joy. He's so sweet, so yeah. smart, you know. Yeah. Mm. Um, we had such a good time together, you mm-hmm. know, because it was like we both got to Ghana and it was like it was somehow my job to explain to him what was going on. And I was like, kid, I'm from New Hampshire. Yeah. <laughs> so we sort of, we sort of embarked on this adventure in a new yeah. country together and it was, it was Aww. really interesting. That's so, amazing. Yeah. I'm sure that was yeah, such like an influential guy. time for both of you guys. So that's great. Yeah, he's awesome. Okay, so what yeah. countries uh, does the Global Autism Project currently partner with? Oh, what a question. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I put you on the spot. I mean, on this we one. were joking about this in the office the other day. I was like, this is one of the hardest questions that, that anyone asks these days because we all sort of know them in a different order. And, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, and you don't have to name all of them. I'm just curious as to yeah, so what... we, um So we are currently working with... Um, 15 different sites around the world. Um, We are working in India, Kenya, Indonesia. Um, We did, we did some work in Nicaragua. Sadly, they had a political, um, some, you know, kind of massive political unrest down there. So we've had to, we've had to scale back. Um, Mm. We work with several sites in China. We work in the Netherlands. We work in Nigeria um uganda i think i probably said kenya saudi arabia czech republic okay. dominican republic and ecuador so that we are really it's pretty diverse yeah, yeah. We're, we're really all over um and it's amazing the similarities it's mm-hmm. you know it's like yeah. at the end of the day these are people trying to run businesses building mm-hmm. capacity for kids with autism yeah that is what's happening yeah so um yeah so that's where we are currently um we have requests from other people all over the world um of course mm-hmm. always you know and again the need to the need to increase capacity yeah. um one of the things that i am beyond excited about this year is we're going to get all of our partners together for a global partner summit um, wow. so that they can meet each other in person. They've all met via, you know, video calls. Yeah. Or, um, oh my goodness. Yeah, I'm sure that was such a fruitful yeah. time. What a great idea. 
Yeah, I'm very excited. I think it's going to, oh, God, I think it's going to be incredible. Yeah, absolutely. And how how do people primarily find out about the Global Autism Project? On the internet. Okay. Um, We make sure that we are optimizing for that. Um, Mm -hmm. When people travel with our Skill Corps program, they all commit to raising $5,000. Okay. um, And we, we encourage them to do that by primarily doing things online um and so that helps people find out about us um sometimes people posting pictures hashtagging you know Kenya autism so you know the same way that we find out about anything these days um but yeah that is that is primarily how how they're finding out um I'm trying to think. I'm kind of going through the list. Yeah. Sometimes someone knew someone who knew someone. Yeah. You know? yeah referrals. <laughs> that's yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's but. amazing. Okay. I want to hear about how you have grown and changed since you started all of this. So since you started the Global Autism Project, how have you personally and professionally uh, grown and changed? Wow. What a fun question. No one ever asked that. Oh, <laughs> um, well, I'm glad to be the first. Yeah, and I was, I was just talking um, with a good friend of mine who I've known for the entire journey of the Global Autism Project. And I was like, you know, I started this with this absolute idealism and naivete. Um, and I would say that I've had to maintain that sense of idealism. Mm -hmm. I've had to maintain that vision that this is possible. Um, I think professionally, you know, I've, I've grown up, I was 23. Like what does professional even mean? My gosh, I truly had no idea what I was doing. You know, the way that I started this is I had a friend of mine who lived in the United States who had this new um, service called Amazon where you could buy books on the internet. <laughs> um, she, she bought this book. I asked her, um, you know, I transferred money to her bank account, probably $35 or something. And mm-hmm. I asked her if she could please, please buy me this book that I saw on this website called Amazon. <laughs> and it was the nonprofit kit for dummies. Okay. And I took that nonprofit kit for dummies and I don't even know why it was called that. And that, was how I built the organization, you know, wow. I was like, what do I need? Articles of incorporation. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I really had no idea since then I've invested so much time and energy and in, in making sure that, you know, I have strong mentors and, um, systems and learn the best ways to do work efficiently and mm-hmm. learn how to be a strong leader. I have an incredible coach right now that I work with, you know, so yeah. professionally, um, you know, I would say really I've, I've grown up for sure. Yeah. You know, I'm definitely now a grown up running a business. Mm-hmm. Versus, um, I think I probably fancied myself a grown up at age 24, <laughs> 25. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and personally it's, it is, it's such a strange thing because we come on this planet with this one perfect life. And I remember, you know, one of the reasons I was willing to go to Ghana is because I just had no idea what was kind of next for me. You know, I just, I loved working with kids. I had been in school as a, as a pre-med student and I didn't like it. And, you know, I'd left, I'd left my undergrad and take me a year off. Mm -hmm. Um, and that one year turned into two years. I had done an AmeriCorps program called city year. And then I got this job working with this kid with autism Mm -hmm. 
turned into three years. Then I lived in Ghana, turned into four years. You yeah. know, five years back, so I got to New York, I went back and finished my undergrad. Okay. Um, so I think, you know, what's really, really interesting about kind of halt, you know, just putting that, that pause in your college education is that you, you know, so I went back at 26 to finish my undergrad, and I just remember just being like, like wow like what a gift that I now kind of know what I'm doing in my life and I think at that point I was thinking on a on a personal level I'll probably do this for five-ish more years you know and so that would have been five years ago now and now it's like I literally can't even sort of imagine what my life would be like who my friends would be who I would know without the global autism project yeah you know um it's it's just a part it's of who so, you are and It's just life. part of my, yeah. yeah, it's like, and, you know, and Elizabeth Gilbert, who wrote Eat, Pray, Love, and other things, mm-hmm. you know, she says that um, ideas, you know, kind of fly around the planet, and they land on their person, and when they land on their, they're like butterflies, and when they land on their person, I'm obviously butchering this, but basically, <laughs> when they land on their person, they don't let go, and you know, I've been asked so many times, like, oh, how'd you think of the Global Autism Project? It always feels like I for sure didn't. You know? Yeah. Like it, it just came to me like a little butterfly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, refused to go, like, took up residency in my brain. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, um, and I think that it's, it's just so interesting um, just to kind of think about that moment. And I remember literally, this is rather embarrassing, I don't usually say it, but you know, I remember literally standing in front of a mirror in Ghana saying, like, my name is Molly Olapini, and I'm the founder of the Global Autism Project. Yeah. <laughs> and being like, really? Huh? What? That like, is my so name's funny. Molly, and I, like, work with kids with autism and rock climb, and yeah. you know, that was my life until then, and then it was like, no, I'm the founder, you know, and so... Yeah, it's a it's, big deal. It's so funny now, but it's like, there are... It was an interesting thing in a lot of ways because I think, you know, you do just get so knocked down as, mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur in general, right? Yeah. We've all seen that, that drawing like curves and ups and peaks and valleys mm-hmm. and all that. Um, so in some ways, I feel like I had to grow up faster than, I mean, granted I was like 30, but I still feel like I had to grow up even faster. I had to kind of play this game of, like convincing people that I knew what I was doing, but yeah. really what I had to do was convince myself that I knew yeah. what I was doing. And really what was happening is I had no idea, you know? And then mm-hmm. it was like all of a sudden I woke up and I was like a grown up in charge of this organization who knew what I was doing and mm-hmm. had a great team. And you know? yeah, <laughs> so yeah, it's an interesting, um, it's, yeah, it's a fun question. It's I, the short answer to your question is in every way possible. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't think a lot of your answers I don't think are dissimilar to what a lot of people experience, um, right. especially when they take risks and, you know, yeah. go out on their own and do something they're passionate about. Like, I think that most of those stories would be very similar to yours. So I appreciate you sharing that. And I'm so glad that um, you do what you do and you are serving so many people and it obviously has served you well over the years, too. So it's so exciting to hear and so yeah, inspiring. No, I'm so grateful. I yeah. mean, I, you know people are always like, oh, thank you so much for the work you do. I'm like, I, no, (laughs) like, you have no idea. Look, it's not like it hasn't been hard and kicked my butt over the years, Mm -hmm. but it's, um, at at the end of the day, I am 
so grateful for getting to know the people I know yeah. around the world and yeah. and be any part of this, mm-hmm. you know. So and I'm a smaller and smaller part of it, honestly. You know, yeah. But, Which is what you what want, has, and that's such a good like a humble, good yeah. yeah, humble attitude to have that you recognize the need for all of the people around you and how much they contribute, and you do want oh, to minimize yeah. yourself over time. You don't want to be the star of this of the show. So that's not that's great. Not, yeah. yeah, I love that. Yeah. Well. No, yeah. Um, so yeah. my last question, yeah, absolutely. My last question for you, um, is what piece of advice would you give to somebody who, um, maybe a professional or practitioner in the field of autism who wants to be more involved overseas? Ah, um, so much advice. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is falling at a timely time for me because, <laughs> um, you know, look, I, it is extremely rewarding and it's extremely fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think step one, right? Ask them if they're hungry. If yes, you're going to go yeah. teach them to fish, ask I love them that. if they're hungry. We, yep. can, we can start with that. That's going to be my new tagline. I think. Man, and that's that's um, so hard to not make a, assumptions about what you think other people need and to oh, just be humble yeah. and ask and go from there. Yeah, so no, we're, we're trained to do that. It's yeah. a very strange thing. Um, yeah, I think there there's a couple of things I think kind of on the on the higher level I I always encourage you know one of our sort of hashtags of global autism project is do with not for that's what mm-hmm. my entire TEDx talk was about yep. but do with not for um you know ask them if they're hungry do with not for that's like step one but I think yep. on a very practical level think about if this were your community if these were your children would you want somebody to come in, teach you something for a week, leave, and you never see them again? Yeah. So if you are going to do something internationally, mm-hmm. one, ask them if they're hungry. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is ask them what they need. Wait to be invited by yeah. all means. Wait to be invited. That's that's it, right? Yeah. Another thing is don't make assumptions. Make no assumptions. Go in with curiosity. Go in with questions. Go in with love. I know it sounds whatever and I don't care, but honestly, like just go in with a genuine love and curiosity. Mm -hmm. And I think really just think it all the way through. We say that in this office every single day. Oh, that's an idea. Let's think that all the way through. And it's like, there are so many half-baked projects all over the world. And it's it's honestly only getting worse. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I started this organization because there was nobody else literally doing this work. Mm -hmm. Um, There's an urgency to this work now because people are going into other countries, they're providing what I call a hit and run training, yeah. and they're making a mess. They're breaking everything, and I don't use that lightly. You know, they're making a mess because what happens? This is what happens: you go in, you do a two day workshop on ABA. Mm-hmm. You've trained six hundred people in ABA. Mm-hmm. You would never, ever, 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 as a professional in this country, as a parent, you would never want somebody who's had two days of training in ABA working with your kid. Mm-hmm. Well, now a lot of times people give out a certificate. I went to a two day ABA fundamentals workshop. Mm-hmm. Parents go online. They know they need ABA. Someone says in the local community, someone says, I know ABA, the Americans train me. They say, great, I'm going to hire you. Well, weirdly enough in that two days of ABA, they didn't get into, Oh, I don't know. Extinction bursts even. Right. Mm-hmm. And so now parents are going, ABA doesn't work. And so now you're perpetuating this idea that ABA doesn't work in communities because all they're getting is terrible, very low quality intervention. And so now parents are going online and they're going, ABA doesn't work. 
And there's no shortage of pseudoscience. And Mm -hmm. I am seeing more and more and more in the places where we go, this increased reliance on pseudoscience. Increasingly, people are saying to me, oh, you do ABA? We tried that and it didn't work. And I'm like, who did your ABA in this country? Because you don't have a single BCBA, literally, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, it's really, it's really heartbreaking to me. So I would say, you know, um, if you're thinking about working in another country, one, make sure that what you're doing is needed. Two, make sure it's sustainable. If you do nothing else, draw that Venn diagram. Your priorities, their priorities, sustainability. Mm-hmm. Do not make recommendations that you're not going to be able to follow through with, that they're not going to be able to follow through with. You yeah. know, I mean, I we create years-long partnerships. Mm-hmm. Because we, in this country, it takes years to learn it. Why would it not somewhere else? Yeah. You know? And look, is it a heck of a lot more work? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Is it tremendously challenging to want to have quality outcomes in everything you do and have it be sustainable and work across cultures? And yes. It is tremendously challenging. But we have a very, very, very strong insistence that if there are quality services anywhere, there can and should be quality services everywhere. Yeah. We don't believe that a little bit is better than nothing. We've seen it over and over again. We've seen the dangers. So, um, yeah, I mean, in a nutshell, that's my advice. <laughs> uh, I think that's really important advice. That's something I haven't I have heard. Alpha, uh, a um, head full of advice. Yeah. And I think that's so important. I think that's something new that I haven't heard from a lot of people and um, it's so valuable and such a good perspective to know before you get involved in that kind of work. And I would just ask this follow up. Would you recommend that people who are not um, maybe interested or don't really see themselves doing the work long term, just not get involved at all? Is that kind of, I would say that. Yeah. Okay. I would say, Tell them about the Global Autism Project, yeah. honestly. Yeah. I really would. And and look, it's not because we need countries to work with. That's not it at all. Yeah. It's because it is so detrimental to go in, do something short-term, and then leave. It's mm-hmm. so – and even – it's just unfair, you know? It's like – it's just – and I – and it makes our work harder, too. You know, we go to – people are like, will you ever come back? You're know, like, yeah, we're going to be here in three months. And they're like, mm-hmm, right. Yeah. And it's like two years later, they're finally like, oh, yeah, you do come back. Oh, yeah. yeah we do talk to you every yeah. week, you know? Um, That's tough. Yeah, yeah, and it just – but I think the saddest thing to me is when I meet parents who say, we tried ABA and it didn't work. Yeah. And I'm like, well, who did it? And they go, oh, so-and-so, they'd gone to a workshop. And I'm like – I know that workshop. That's a two-day workshop. You know, and you, and and look, and it's, you have the best of intentions. People Mm -hmm. have the best of intentions. So now keep your good intentions, set your ego aside and figure out what is actually going to be beneficial Mm -hmm. to this community. Yep. Man, that's That's such a great piece of advice, Molly. And I appreciate you sharing that and just um, not being afraid to say that because I think that takes some courage. So thank you for sharing that and for recommending that to people. You know, I think years ago, you asked, like, how have you grown up in this role? That's not quite what you said, but, you know, how have you changed in this role? And I think that that is the biggest thing to me is I finally recognize we are the only organization in this world who's done this in this many countries for this many years, had this close of a relationship mm-hmm. from so many different cultures and perspectives. And the things that we're hearing over and again, over and over again, the things that we're seeing over and over again, we have a responsibility to share that. Yeah. We really do. Yep. So yeah. And you're yeah. doing a great job of doing that. So I appreciate well, it. And I'm you. sure other people do as well. Um, and I have one more question for you, although I sure. said my last question was a couple of questions. 
questions ago, but um, have you heard of the book When Helping Hurts? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Do you recommend that book to people? I'm just curious. Um, I have that book right, right in my office, actually. Okay. Um, yes, I think is the is the short answer. Okay. Um, I think I would recommend that book, and I would recommend just learning more from from the people. You know, there yeah. is. It's just it's so funny to me um, how how much insight people have into their own their own needs and how quick we are as outsiders to to kind of judge that Mm -hmm. you know and I'm always thankful that as I thought about the global autism project I was living in a Ghanaian household with a Ghanaian family Mm -hmm. um and I I didn't have room to make the assumption that I was somehow better than them. Yeah. That, that didn't, there was not room for that. Yeah. Um, and that's the most important thing I think with our skill core program too, is that we, you know, I think people come in thinking like, Oh, I'm going to help in that, in that when helping hurts kind of way, you yeah. know? And, um, you know, and there's also an amazing documentary I would recommend that everybody watches who travels with us called poverty Inc. Okay. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, there's just, there's tremendous self-advocates. You know, make no mistake, Africa is the richest continent in terms of natural resources. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, any challenges that Africa has are completely attributed to to everybody going and stealing everything, including the people from the land, you mm-hmm. know. So yeah. it's, um, you know, so I think that it's, you know, it's not if they can, it's when they can. Yeah. Um, and and they can, you know, mm-hmm. and we, we are, you know, at our organization, we feel honored to, to be any part of their success. But what we really see time and time again is that their success has so little to do with us. It's yeah. like we are, we're kind of like the catalyst. Um, but yeah, I'm, you know, I'm absolutely familiar with when helping her some, with poverty Inc, you know, mm-hmm. we don't, um, we don't give our partners money. Yeah. We do not build their schools. Um, we we even charge a commitment fee. Our partners hire us. Now, okay. granted, that commitment fee can be, you know, doesn't even purchase a plane ticket in some cases, depending yeah. on, on what they can do. But yeah. um, it's it's putting some skin in the game. Mm-hmm. You know, when people pay, yep. they pay attention. Investing. And yep. um, yeah, and that's that's based on just seeing, you know, I remember reading that book when Helping Hearts. And I was like, oh, I could have written this a few years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why, yeah. I mean, I just thought of it when you were talking because, yeah, a lot of the same things that you're saying are in that book. So, yeah. And, and as behavior analysts, right? It's mm-hmm. like we actually are in a really powerful role. To, we, we know how to do this. We yeah. know how to build independence. Yeah. We know how Absolutely. To we have data every step of the way. You mm-hmm. know, we've created this um, proprietary assessment called the SASE, which is the Site Assessment Survey for Sustainable Intervention. It's since been revised, the SASE R. Yeah. It's to make sure that we're making a difference, mm-hmm. you know, that there's measurable, observable growth happening in these centers. Yeah. But we're not just spinning our wheels, that we're not wasting anyone's time, mm-hmm. you know, because um, people can waste time by themselves. They don't need yeah. us to help them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, um, yeah. yeah, but no, yeah. that's a great, that's always a great book to, to recommend to people for sure. Yeah. Um, well, 
I mean, Molly, thank you so much for the time that you've taken to share this information with people and just your passion shines through every single word you say. So I'm just so grateful for what you're doing and who you are and the fact that other people get to learn about the Global Autism Project. It's such a blessing. So thank you so much. Thank you. I'm so glad you reached out. Yes. Amazing to talk with you. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Autism Hour podcast, where we view each and every individual as valuable and capable. You can find previous episodes of the Autism Hour on iTunes and Stitcher. If you like the show, please leave a rating and a review. You can also visit our website at www.theautismhour.com, where you can find a list of resources, events, and all of our previous episodes. If you have questions related to autism or would like to share your story, I would love to hear from you please send me an email at theautismhour at gmail.com. Thanks and have a great week.